the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Danny Cannell. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson. Uh, wild week of news uh, at the NCAA level, at the college football level. We've got uh, the, the moving pieces. It always happens around June. In July, obviously, we start to have media days, turn our attention towards uh, the season ahead. But right now, uh, things are shifting. We will get into the news that has come out about the potential future of the college football playoff. Uh, there's some transfer news that stood out. And as we're sitting here, uh, Danny, I know you've got C-SPAN 3. You know, you always have C-SPAN 1 or 2 on in the background for all the Cover 3 podcasts. But the name, image, and likeness hearings are going on right now. Mark Emmert is in Washington, D.C. The senators are, are weighing in. Uh, have you gotten any highlights so far from the early parts of the proceedings here on Wednesday? Not a ton. I did get past one is the Senate hearing on U.S. policy on Belarus. Two is the U.S. Senate just general discussion, I guess. Um, oh, it's a continued debate on President Biden's nomination of Zahid Quarashi to be the U.S. District Court Judge for New Jersey. Mm. And then three, they have well, relegated. Everybody knows that. <laughs> right. And then three is the NCA. I just saw the opening statements and I saw Cory Booker, who started out. Um, and I was getting irritated already just because... I don't know. There's so many things that are said and I get why certain politicians will say things. They want to make their case for change, but I was getting irritated already just by some of the exaggerated over the top type of conversations that take place. That was all I saw. I'm very curious to see some of the testimony. Mark Few was, was up a couple minutes ago, head coach at Gonzaga. So I'm curious to say I'm a little bit bummed that they don't have any current athletes up there. Like, why not? Like, why wouldn't you have some current athletes, student athletes that are up there? So I don't know. I don't know if we'll glean anything. This is probably a lot of grandstanding. And, you know, as much as I've heard, we're doing this for the kids. I feel a lot of it's about for the votes and that's what they do. I mean, that's not, and it's bipartisan. It's both sides kind of grandstanding here. So we'll see if we learn anything from it, but I do think it's a massive issue that needs to be addressed ASAP because July 1st is only a few weeks away. And that's where in where I live in Florida, all of a sudden it's going to be open season. So that is specifically why they're having this hearing to try to address the time crunch that they're on with the calendar. The NCAA is basically just Sean Bradley. It's big and it exists only to get dunked on repeatedly. Oh, <laughs> it might be too soon, Tom. It might be too soon. But I'm saying like, that's like the whole, the Senate hearing with the NCAA, like you say, like the politicians are there, they're just doing their thing. Cause like, this is a chance for everybody in the room to agree. Like, Hey, you know who people hate more than us? These guys. Let's just <laughs> crap on them for the next few hours. Get some goodwill with the voters. To be like, see, they care about the kids. They care about the things we care about. We could be like, hey, we got NIL going for you, even though it's already been happening. 
It's performative. Yeah, totally. It's 100 percent performative. I mean, it's they, they do have that oath out there, right? Because listen, Rick Pitino told us that oath is something. You will admit some things that you might not otherwise admit. Uh, you know, but if you you have that oath, maybe we catch uh, a little like a, a stray nugget here and there that uh, we wouldn't have otherwise uh, picked up, or maybe it helps fill in some of the details. But um, we'll you know we'll have it. Danny's our uh, C-SPAN three correspondent. We we might cycle back uh, in the, before the mailbag episode with just some some gleanings on on what happened. But some of the the big news within all of college football comes out this week as, you know, it, it Dennis Dodd uh, reported on this for cbssports.com, but there's also a lot of reporting going on. Pretty much every major outlet had a report on the future of the college football playoff. And there are two things that stand out to me. Number one, because all the, all the reporters got it, more or less the same story, feels like a trial balloon, right? Like we're just college football playoff. We're just going to send this out. We're just going to see what the reaction is and sort of see where everyone is standing on the many different options before they come together for two days of meetings to be able to come up with a model that they can then present to the college football playoff managers. And even at that point, I don't think that we will have an announcement of what the future uh, college football playoff is going to look like. So even as we start to try to answer and debate some of these questions here on this podcast, uh, I think that it is very much a a wait and see situation. Uh, Number two, there will be no changes for the next two years. This year and next season are locked in. It is a four-team playoff. Number three, and Bud, you mentioned this yesterday. Why you can. (laughs) Number three, Bud, you mentioned this yesterday. The the 12-team proposal probably came as a surprise to some fans. So I, I wanted to pitch it to you guys. Did the 12-team proposal and, and the reported momentum behind a 12-team model, did that come across as a as a surprise to you? And then we can s- sort of dive into, um, Tom, you've got a piece on CBSSports.com saying let's go back to plus one. You know, or like just just a one and two situation. Um, you know, we've got a lot of thoughts that's been exchanged on social media as well. So, were you surprised by any of the details from some of the reporting this week coming from the college football playoff? I, mean, I was certainly somewhat surprised, um, but in reading the rationale that Dennis Dodd and, and some other guys reported, I, I thought it was it was interesting in that some of these uh, some of these conferences don't support going to six or to eight. I believe I read in one of these articles that uh, the SEC didn't really uh, support six or eight, which would make sense, right? SEC right now is getting an average of like 1.25 teams in per college ball playoff. That's a pretty nice share out of four possible teams per year. Uh, 12 would allow them to, to keep their, their large share. And obviously they all make more money in, in the, in the aggregate uh, with more games. I also think that if you want to blow up how much money you're getting from ESPN and other sources for the playoff, the best way to do so is not simply adding, you know, one more game or adding two more games. It's going from three games to uh, to, to seven games, which is what the 12 game model with the buys uh, would do. So that, I think that is the one that forces the you know, the TV rights holders to uh, to reconsider your your payment structure the, the most substantially. First of all, I'll start by saying Tom and I are going to have to have it out here in a little bit. We'll wait and get our initial thoughts Fight. here. I don't know about his Fight. back school way. You know, we'll have it out. I was genuinely like kind of ready for anything, especially when we heard the news that they were given 63 different options. 
Like that was what they were presented with from this outside company, whoever, you know, we could have given them this. Why didn't we figure this out? I could have come up with 63 ideas, right? But I think the the reason people might be surprised is because what myself included, what have the proponents for expansion been saying for the last five or six years? Let's go to eight. Let's go to eight. And I remember even on this podcast talking about it saying, well, and we each kind of said, what would you want to do? And I said, well, if it's the easiest thing to do, like make a tweak or two, it would be expand eight, five power, five, three wild card. Like that's pretty easy. But then the last time I think we talked about this, I said, well, if we're going to blow this up, like then let's really look at what the best options are. And that's where I'm kind of impressed that they are considering this 12-team playoff because when you start diving into it, I think there are some really intriguing aspects to it that can make it really attractive. Like I was looking at eight because it was better than four, but I like some of the incentives that are in here, such as a buy, home field advantage uh, for those teams playing in the first round. Like, So I'm actually excited by the fact that it's not an easy, let's go to eight and let's do it in a year because then it feels – hasty. It feels like that was easy. I want them to think outside the box and hopefully come up with a solution that we're not arguing about again in just two years and saying, and then we have to hear Bill Hancock, who is definitely going to say this is better than the four, even though we've heard him say four is great. And like, and then he's going to say 12 is the perfect number. Like it's going to be the same issue, but let's get this wrapped up where at least we address a lot of the problems. And it feels like from the comments and solutions that they are looking at some of the very serious issues that, and they want to be ready to answer any potential problems. I was surprised by the numbers simply because we've heard plenty about six and eight. I thought 12 was kind of, I didn't, I mean, I knew 12 was a possibility. I didn't think that's where they would go, but I honestly also think that's a negotiate employee. Cause like, Bud, you mentioned the conference that's pushing the 12 is the SEC. Cause the SEC wants to play get four teams in every year, at least. I mean, that's why it's like a 12-team field with five conference champions, one group of five school, and then six at-larges. Well, most of those at-larges, based on current rankings or we've seen in recent years, are going to come from the SEC. So, of course, the SEC wants 12 teams. And if you're a commissioner of any of the other conferences and you acquiesce to a 12-team playoff to help the SEC get richer and separate itself from you further, you don't deserve to have your job. So keep that in mind when it comes to trying to figure out what you want to do next. As for the expansion, Danny, you mentioned like you're hoping that we're in a situation where we're, you know, it's not a few years from now. It's like, well, we got to change this. In Dodd's article, it's mentioned how there's a th- the thought of getting to 24 eventually already. So it's going to happen no matter what they do. It's, I don't know if we're going to have at it. I'm just, it's, it's done. Um, it's pointless. It's not going to fix anything. Everything that they tell you it's going to change and make it better is BS. All it's going to do is increase the money for the schools, for the networks, for the conferences, and for all the people in charge. It's not going to make the sport better. It's not going to drive further interest. Any fan who cares about college football is not going to stop watching his team in the middle of October because his team no longer has a national title hope. They haven't yet. Why are they going to start now? In fact, expanding the playoff will probably only 
only lead to more fan apathy. Because if we look at professional sports, we have seen professional sports leagues expand. And when the leagues expand, they expand the playoffs. And then we, over time, you get to a point where it's championship or bust. And then what happens? The next progression in professional sports is, well, if we can't win a championship, we might as well not even bother to win. So then that's going to come to college football. Now, obviously, in college, you can't tank because it's not like they're draft picks. So you don't get, you know, you don't get to pick the top five star recruit because you finished last in your conference. But it's going to lead to fan apathy in that with more teams in the playoff, the playoff is going to be it's already the only thing that matters. Now it's going to be the only thing that matters even to a greater extent. And it's going to be, well, if my team's not competing for a playoff, what the hell do I care? OK, that, I, oh, sorry. go ahead. No, go no ahead. My, my, my bad. I just it's like, Dan, you mentioned to me on Twitter, you know, like, do, do I want to go back to dial up phone? And yes, you're confusing progress with change, like expanding isn't progress. Like if I mean, if I decide one day to stop ordering, you know, my nor- my usual monthly order of like a 12 inch sausage and black olive pizza for my local pizza joint. And one month I say, you know what, I'm going to go to 14 inches. Have I progressed or have I just ordered more pizza? So here's why I think it's progress, right? I think there's one issue, and let's be clear, this is not going to solve parity, right? This isn't going to all of a sudden, no, we're going to see 12 fresh faces in the playoff. Bama probably still would have won last year. Clemson the year before. Ohio State, like the same teams, the best teams that are there are probably still going to be there, especially if they get a bye the first round. So that's not an issue. But some of the issues that are a massive problem, like opting out, which I do think is a significant problem when we see bowl games and the bowl system itself is problematic right now because a lot of the bowl games, we see apathy, we see, you know, coaches admitting, hey, we didn't, like Dan Mullen says, we didn't even have our team there. So it really didn't matter. Like who cares? Other teams you see, you know, the best players in the, in, uh, in the game uh, to decide to skip it to prepare for the NFL. So you address that problem immediately. For instance, you now this is where I, though. What you create a new one? So you're not thinking about it. You're only looking. No, but for see, I think you. Not I, so I think Danny's right effects. on this a little bit. But so like I so I went and and put out a mock like what it would have looked like last year. It was very rough, and I'm sure there's some fans could point out some inconsistencies there. I went off the last regular season ranking, which I might have even messed that one up somewhat. But for instance, two of the matchups because the proposal that they have, and this is very rough, like this is one of the ones that was kind of leaked, and I got this one from uh, Thamel, was four the top four get buys, so Bama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State buys. But the first round matchups, which take place on the campuses, which I think is awesome, um, two of them would have been bowl games that we saw. For instance, we saw Florida, Oklahoma in a crappy product where half of Florida wasn't there. This time around, 7-10 matchup, Florida would have to uh, host Oklahoma in Gainesville. Like, I guarantee you Kyle Pitts is playing in that game because a championship is still at stake. The other one is Cincinnati and Georgia would have squared off in a game where the SEC doesn't have an – first of all, you don't have the opt-outs, but then they can't say, well, we didn't really want to be there. And Georgia would have to travel to Cincinnati in this hypothetical. So, like, I think some of the solutions that are there, like, that solves, boom, two of your biggest bowls, which were diminished because players didn't play in – all of a sudden, that problem is solved. The regular season thing, I disagree. So I think there will always be a difference. Now, maybe I'm a too idyllic. I do think college fans root differently. I think they believe differently in their programs. I think they attend games because of the pageantry, tailgating, 
historic value to it, bring your kids, whatever it is, where yes, if you're Bama, but even Bama fans are still going to go to games if they're not in the playoff. I still think your mid, mid-level team is going to attend games in the regular season regardless. They, they you know, want like to be worried. able to, Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I think they want to be able to believe, right, yes. for longer. The, the, the one thing I really like about this, and I just want to be very clear, I do not think that this is a better solution for determining a champion. I actually think it's worse. I think it is going to lead to the best team winning less often, and I don't care. I, what I do care about is that fans in Pac-12 country and Big 12 country and throughout the country, that they don't check out as much on articles that are about the playoff and podcast episodes that are about more the national or regional landscape on Halloween, right? If you have a 12-game playoff, look, everything is already about the playoff. Tom already admitted it as much. ESPN you know, shuts it down every single that's day. That's not a good thing. No, but it's not go. We're, we're not like the, the, you, you can't put the genie back in the bottle here. So you might as well you make can. it. You can't. Nobody ever tries to. to put. Nobody ever tries to put the genie back in the bottle. They just say you can't, and then they accept okay. it. They, they you won't. can put it back in the bottle any damn time you want. But they won't, and it would be bad business to do so. If you make the playoff more inclusive. I do think that a lot more teams' games are going to matter much deeper into the season, which I think will make fans care about the sport that we cover for longer. That's why I'm in favor of inclusion. I don't know if I love the Model 12, to be totally honest, but right now you hear from way too many fans that say, like, there's no shot to make it. It's biased. Like, like there's not even every team gets in. I love the auto bids in that it, it basically makes those conference championship games pretty meaningful or more meaningful than it is now. How many times have we gone into the SC title game? We know Bama's in win or lose. Now, look, we still will have that situation in some cases. Bama's going to be in win or lose in a 12-game format, I guarantee you. But the team that beats them, they're in with an auto bid. And that's going to that's be a bid stealer from somebody else. I think it really it, – Danny addressed the, the bowl game point pretty well. Those bowl games have sucked recently. I don't think you're going to have nearly as many opt-outs for the playoff. I'm sure some kids will opt out of the playoff. You're going to have opt-outs in the regular season instead because teams are going to know that they have a playoff berth wrapped up, so coaches sure. are going to rest players. So now you're no, getting no, rid no, of no. opt-outs oh, for no, exhibition games and putting no, them in games that matter. I that's why you incentivize. This is, this is the good thing. This is where I think the, the committee buys. thinks ahead. You get the first four get buys, and the five through eight get home field advantage. So I think yeah. you're incentivizing not resting players, not opting out of games. And granted, if you're going to get a blowout, you're going to get a blowout. Like, I'm okay with that if you rest a player in the second half of, a, you know, let's say Georgia's playing Georgia Tech and Georgia Tech sucks that year. Like, of course, you're going to sit guys so don't get hurt. But that game wasn't going to be good anyway, no matter what the playoff scenario was set up. Like. If I'm Clemson and I've got my division wrapped up, I'm undefeated got my division wrapped up there's still two or three weeks left in the season before i'm playing whatever you know mediocre ass team from the coastal i'm gonna face in charlotte for the acc championship and my quarterback's banged up i want to make sure he's fresh for the acc title game i'm clemson i'm getting a top four seed i'm undefeated i can afford to lose a game you know what? i'm gonna rest a couple players i don't know game. if that's true though i don't know if you would be guaranteed a First top all, team. I, it's I don't happened in every sport that. it's happened in every single sport we literally watch the nba you can't kill watch the regular season anymore because the teams the players don't play the regular season games because they know they don't matter and that's exactly what is going to happen to college football and i'm guaranteeing you five years from now we're going to be bitching about players sitting out regular season games let's, let's accept that tom is right that some games 
will will matter less. I think he's probably right there. Clemson also already does that. I don't think so. Clemson already rests you. Clemson already does it. We will have a net positive and meaningful games, I I will say. We will have a couple games that will be less meaningful. We will have a lot more games that will be a lot more relevant to a lot more people and keep the overall engagement in this sport higher. You have many more opportunities for teams to play spoiler in this role than you normally would. I think you have a lot more games that would matter. That that's why I like it. It's definitely not better for determining the champion, and there will be some games that will not be as attractive. Like I don't think you can totally deny that. I just think overall it's net positive. If you because I I think four is just a bad number to be at personally. I think it's no a net other positive sport. for revenue. I don't yeah. think it's a net positive for the game. I don't. I think it's a I think it's a positive in every direction, including determining champion. Like in what other sport does the best team have to win? Like, if you're the best team, you win. Like, no one says, like, we didn't look at the Tampa Bay Bucks and say, well, they didn't win as many games as the Chiefs in the regular season. So, oh, that's, that Super Bowl is just not as good because they weren't the best team in the regular season. Like, yeah, it's okay. Mo- that I disagree with. I think that you oh. should best, the best team on overall body of work, not just who, but, got, but that, who got hot for the last But that never years. happens in any sport. Like, it, it, like, yes, sometimes it does happen. Like, nobody's going to argue some championships. But you do see seasons where teams that we thought were the best – ended up losing and maybe a team that got hot at the right time did end up winning and winning a championship, but that's what makes sports great. Like, aren't we trying to get more upsets? So we get more surprises. We get more compelling. Historically. No, not in college football in college football. Historically, the answer is no, we don't want Cinderella's. We love them in college basketball. We don't love them in college football. And yeah, let's see, I don't think the Cinderella story is going to be FAU down the road for me. Like, it's not going to be a Butler scenario. It no, would you know be who a, the Cinderella will be. You know who you know who the ten seed that wins the national title is going to be. It's going to be Clemson coming team. off. A, no, it's going to be Clemson <laughs> coming off a down year where it was nine and three, had a couple injuries in October, lost a couple big games, and things came together at the end. So the Cinderella is going to be the blue blood. It's just or it could have been last season. year. It could have been Texas A and M who maybe had they given, given a chance. They would have been a five seed. That's not a Cinderella. They'd have been a five seed. I'm talking about the teams that are going to be 10, 11, 12. Historically, be- though, we have not had the playoff. We have not had the drum beat that the only thing that matters is the playoff. So we can talk about how historically we don't love usurpers. We don't love upsets. We, we love the, the dominant team. But the That'll game has changed. Mm-hmm. What do like, you think if about the- If we accept we're not going to go back, like they could go back. Tom's right. They could in theory. They won't. They're definitely not going back. Is the best number four if you're going to be stuck with a playoff style format. I don't yeah, love, uh, what do y'all think about 17? Because that's the number of games. If I'm the five seed through the 12 seed, I'm playing 17 oh, games. Give, FCS kids do it. And we don't hear anybody bitching about it because they're, because their market value is zero. Okay. Yeah, no and, one and they're also ever... going up against FCS athletes. They're not going up against future NFL players. Yeah. I've seen some beat up to be facing in the playoffs. Yeah, I've seen some be beat up teams players. game 15. Though a lot of teams show up to that national championship game struggling. The hell up. Again, that's why there's incentive to run the table and win. That's so why there's the incentive to five. rest your players during the regular season. <laughs> well, then you've got so, if, if you can rest your players and still win, congratulations on recruiting well. And congratulations on developing so well exactly. and being able to so like who's have got that competitive the advantage depth. now. Whose advantage gets even bigger? No, we're doing this to allow the little guys a chance. No, you're only going to make the gap wider. You're only giving Alabama and Clemson and all these schools a bigger safety net. You're allowing them to screw up. You're allowing other teams that haven't been good enough to reach the top four an avenue to get in. But we're not talking about the Iowa states and the Mississippi states and the Oregon states of the world. We're talking about the Texas A&Ms. 
We would be talking about the Iowa States a lot longer, a lot deeper in the season than we, we would We talked now. about them all last year. They never <laughs> had a shot. We never stopped talking about them. The We've other... been talking about them all off season. <laughs> this is a it's, good thing. Yeah, but I'm saying, hands, people just like, say this crap like it matters. No, nothing changes, dude. It's like we talk about these teams all the time. It's literally our job. Actually, nobody, could see. nobody outside but of we Iowa cares. <laughs> No, I don't think we do. I'm a believer right. that you will see upsets, which are good for the game, if we do get to an expansion play. Now, we might not see it every year, but I think we will be provided more uh, diversity, like with schools. Like, But you know what the ironic thing is? When I did my thing, uh, the top 12 teams from last year's final rankings, guess who was left out? The Pac-12. Entirely? Like, even Oh, yeah. For top 12. They did not have a team ranked in the top 12 at the end of the regular season. After auto bid, though. Championship games. They, they, they would have had yeah. to. Oregon would have got right. their auto bid despite not winning their division, but winning their conference. Of course. That's, <laughs> Bama won a national really. championship without winning. Yeah, so. I know. Yes. So that's it's, oh. so, so when we talk about this, though, and this is one thing. Like, I totally agree with you guys. Participation trophies, that's all it is. Oh, stop it. Don't give me that excuse. Now you sound like Barrett Salee. That's this participation trophy culture we're in. Everybody gets a trophy. We give a part... We give a participation trophy when we allow teams to advance that didn't win their division. Like uh, that's that's the participation trophy. So it already does. They're going to be getting in the playoff now. Now we're hitting them playoff first. <laughs> they already hey, do. Congratulations! Though. You finished in third place in the SEC West. You're one of the twelve best teams in the world. They already do, though. They already got that advantage one time. So in all this, I totally agree with you guys. Seventeen games. You know, we're looking at name, image, and likeness. You know, maybe that more of that money would have to go to the players and you would probably have to give more to the football players, which I don't understand how that would work with Title IX. But <laughs> how much do we wh- think we're going to give the players from this? Not, Let's not. be real. <laughs> but why do we need 12 games in the regular season? I get and you talk about putting the genie back in the bottle. Like, I don't think there's any way we're going back to 11. But we saw last year. Maybe, like I thought, was a really exciting season. The SEC, we saw incredible matchups because they played against Power 5 teams. That's the one thing I wish would come of this. If we're going to blow up the playoffs and kind of start from scratch with a new model, why don't we use it to address the differences in scheduling? Like, let's get on the same page. And let's say, all right, if we're going to add another game or two to some teams – Let's dial back one in the regular season. Is any gonna anybody gonna miss? Even a fan of a team who might only get to go to that one game when Ohio State plays, um, you know, whoever or Alabama plays, you know, whoever Clemson plays the Citadel. Like, do we really need those games on the schedule? No. So, and then what you do if you because I get the blowback that comes from well, that makes our whole entire athletic budget. How about we give some of that money to them? I can and give them some of the money that's going to there's there's going to be a windfall. Clearly, that's why we're doing this. But dial back the schedule, give the money to those schools and get every conference on the same page. Like, can we get every conference to have the same regular season schedule? Because that's a way to generate parity. For the SEC will dictate what schedule everybody plays. For the record, I wish it would. Just like they're dictating a 12 team playoff. I wish they would because I think if they did, maybe we'd listen to Nick Saban, who has always said, "Let's play Power Five opponents only." Yeah, no, I. Yeah, if that is one of the side effects, that will be one of the very few side effects about this that I'm very thrilled about is a uniform scheduling process because that's something I've been saying people need. Especially, but I haven't heard that, which is worrisome. Like maybe we're just going to do the playoff, and that's well, going to see. Be that's annoying. the other thing too, because there's not going to be any. As far maybe there will be. 
But the cynic in me says there's not going to be any set of guidelines for selection for the playoff because they want to keep that debate. So it's going to be six automatic berths and then six at-largest. But there's for the at-large, there's going to be no criteria. It's literally just going to be who a group of people think are the best six teams, which is horse to be blunt, especially when you're expanding to 12 and it's no longer four. Like when it's at four, you kind of don't really have much of a choice but to go that way. At 12, there are plenty of ways you could figure out which teams work their way in, but they're not going to do that. So again, it's not going to be a playoff. It's going to be a larger invitational tournament. For the record, I don't care about competitive balance or parity in college football. I'm totally fine with the same teams winning every year. And I think it's good to have somebody set the standard and say, come beat us. Like this is, we are winning at this level. We are recruiting at this level. And if you don't want us to win these football games, then get your game up. I, I think that is good for the sport, but um, like, I, I don't think this drifts too far into the, the, to say we want more access, but then have the other argument be, but the same teams are going to win all the time. I think that's okay. Now more teams get a taste and fall short and then you find out what you need to do. You know what happened last night? I was in PNC Arena for game five watching my favorite hockey team lose to a $100 million roster, okay? And what that was for the Carolina Hurricanes was an opportunity to look and say, okay, we've got a great young core. We've had three playoff years in a row, but this team that just won the Stanley Cup, they've got it going. It was a revealing series for my favorite hockey team to look across the way and be like, all right, this is what we've got to do. And so when teams number five, six, seven, and eight get into the college football playoff, they win that first game, they go in with all the momentum and fall on their face to a top four team, then they go into the offseason like, we got to step our game up. So I, I kind of like, oh, I, ne- I don't... Uh, ever um, want to jump on the boat that says like I want to have total parity for our championship winners because when someone is truly dominant I think that everyone else having to chase them makes the sport a little bit better I agree with that um, I also look look at Knicks fans they knew they weren't going to win the NBA championship how excited were they to be, to be back in the playoffs <laughs> <laughs> some of them probably thought they were going to win the NBA title even better but but again no, these are Knicks but- fans we shouldn't con- compare everybody to the delusion of that fan base you know i mean if, if you're if you're in some of these conferences that are not winning the title you you're probably smart enough to realize that your teams are not going to win the title very often or, or not anytime soon but still selling them the illusion that they can be giving them a, pl- a ticket to that playoff and selling tickets to the games that are being played to basically go to the playoff that keeps them interested. That keep that keeps people like legitimately talking about those teams for more than just the, the first two months of, of the season. That that's why I like this. Do I think that you know, the 12 seed is going to win this thing? Maybe sometime in my lifetime, but not often. Right? It's still going to be the very best teams. Um, I think the chip's larger point about hey, like it gives people something to chase. I think that's true in sports that have like salary caps or realistic belief that your team can emulate what some of these better teams are doing and there's not a whole lot of teams that can crank it to the level that a few of these teams right now are doing nationally that's kind of a separate discussion but look fans love to delude themselves into thinking they have a shot to win it and they absolutely love making the playoff or being in the playoff race you know baseball kind of flubbed it with this one game playing crap but other than that like people are really excited to be in a playoff race down the stretch. This is going to create playoff races pretty often. You know, we're also going to have Cinderella's who somehow, you know, conference championship upsets do happen. Not super often, but they, they happen. I will say one thing we should consider, though. 
that I don't think will get much, but by expanding the playoff and putting more teams in the playoff, you're guaranteeing that far more team season ends with a loss. Like it ends on a sour note. Like if at least in the bowl system, if you don't make the playoff fans have the bowl where it's like, we go in, we win a bowl game. That's something that helps. You know, it's something you celebrate. It's something you like to talk about 10 years. Hey, remember when we won the sugar bowl or, you know, whatever bowl against whatever team now, every Didn't single you just say you don't want to give out participation trophies now you're like let's give everybody no, a participation. we're talking about we're talking about for mouth. fans now we're talking about for fans the fan experience now every single fan except for one team their season is going to end sad and that's, that's the okay. memory that they're going to for some teams, though, if you hung in there with a game against Alabama and didn't get blown out, you'd be like, all right, there's a sign of hope. We can come back next year. Like, that's okay that teams have to go home with a loss. Four fan bases, too. This, uh, okay, this old leads to apathy. Hey, no, I'm it doesn't. You. I'll tell you this, this old John Bunting era UNC fan in Keenan Stadium watching us fight hard and lose. Like, I, there's a bunning bobblehead on my, um, bookshelf and you know what it was to commemorate an eight and five season they made a bobblehead to commemorate the eight and five season and that's a, hanging on to it baby do you I will know say what leads to apathy is if you're a fan of one of these teams it's like not a top five type team and you go into the season knowing hey man if we have if we hit our best possible projection we still don't have a shot at this 14 playoff now you can tell them tom fornelli can sit there and say hey guys guess what the 12 team system you got a shot to get in, but you but you can't win. Come November, if they're in that race, they are not going to give a damn what Tom Fornelli says about their ability to actually win the playoff because they're like, look, man, we're good enough to make it. We got our ticket to the dance. Hell, we already got here. You haters said we couldn't get here. We, why, why can't we win the whole damn thing? That just keeps them caring. I The couple issues that I wonder about, and I do not know the answer to this, because I want to keep conference championship games. Clearly, the networks do, too. And we just mentioned, what if somebody knocks off, who was it, Clemson, Miami last year? Mm-hmm. Where, or, or whoever, whatever. Western Ohio State. Yeah, so, so Clemson still would have gotten in. Now, they wouldn't have got to buy, maybe. But I don't like that aspect of this. I don't know if there is even a solution to that unless you make the conference championship games like a semifinal. I don't, I don't know the solution to it, but there's going to be a situation that, unri- uh, that unfolds that I will not like and you talk about in the future complaining about where a team loses its conference championship game and still gets into the playoff and maybe even potentially comes and wins the national championship. Mm-hmm. And I don't know the solution to that, but that will be a problem because I think. Why is that a know, problem? That's, what's that? It's already it, happened. Why is, why is that a problem? Well, it hasn't happened yet with a conference champion losing. We haven't seen an upset in a conference championship game yet. Notre Dame still made it. Notre Dame still made it after losing to Clemson, but then of course they lose to Alabama. Right this year, I was going back two years. I was going. So you think a conference champion champion losing a conference championship game loss is worse than just not even winning your division and winning a national title? Like we've already crossed that bridge. Right, but I didn't like Notre Dame advancing last year. I think there's optics in that when you get to a postseason. Like once the regular season is done and we're calling them championship games, I think those games should be worth more, both advancing, getting a title, winning your conference, but also losing. Like we're talking about losing the last game of your season in the postseason and any sport I've ever played. If you lose your season's over, 
So that's like, it's a weird, and I didn't love, I didn't love Notre Dame advancing last year either. Cause that did feel like it took away from the ACC championship game. And I don't think the conference championship game should be diminished like that, where you could lose and still move on. So all you my conference a way to keep a great way to keep that from happening would be <laughs> go to two, go to two. Yeah, go all backwards. right. So my conference championship is like definitely drafting from college basketball. I don't think that you should be ineligible. I think that just makes the at largest sweat. Which means fan bases of these at-large teams are looking at the rankings going into championship Saturday, watching a conference game that they're not even a fan of, rooting hard for an outcome because they know that that would like set off the dominoes that allow them to make the playoff. Like It brings in everyone on conference championship Saturday with specific rooting interests based on, you know, if this result holds with the favorite winning, then we should be in. But if there is an upset, we might be out. And uh, the different ways that you could see that the debates that could go on for those at large teams on conference championship Saturday, I, I think that that could be engaging. The idea of a bid thief is, is kind of fun to me. Like, you know, who would have been a huge Ohio state fan last year? Notre Dame. Can you imagine if, if Northwestern pulled that upset? Because then yeah. they'd be locked in. Yeah. Let me let me ask this question because this kind of gets to the crux of my problem with this. And again, I'm not anti-playoff. I just don't think it's a solution or like anything. It fixes anything. Who does it benefit to have fans caring about other teams playing in conference championships and the playoff and have the interest? It benefits the television networks that broadcast the games and it benefits the media networks like us who write about it and generate the interest of it. It helps us make money. How does this help the sport? Because we are molding the sport to television and to media. We are not trying to fix the sport to actually improve the sport. And that's what my problem with okay. this is. We pretend we're fixing things. We're not. We're just trying to find a way to put more money in our pockets. Do you think increased fan interest and money is bad for the sport? It's a short-term thing because guess what? As soon as that happens, the next thing, like when we went from two to four, is well, shit, now we got to find a way to get more money. We got to find a way to get more money. And you don't really worry about what you're doing to the game in the long run because the people in charge who are trying to get money are only worried about their jobs in the short term and keeping their jobs and getting as much money out of it as they can and making their bosses happy. So at the end, what you're trying to improve is the bottom line and you're standing within your job. And eventually the sport gets kind of, oh, sorry, the sport gets kind of screwed because of it. You know, I, I don't know the college ball is going to be around in 20 years anyway. So, you know, <laughs> like the rate we're going. All right. On the other side, <laughs> we're fixing the sport. I did, I got, I got questions. And also this 20 year, no college football projection. Woo. I, I'm, I, that was just totally off the cuff. Like, oh. I'm just saying like, like I'm, I'm more worried about the next 10 years, next 15 years of, of college football. And I also don't really, I don't know. I, I, I worry that I'm missing something. Cause I, I think Fernelli is a really, really bright guy but I don't really see the downside to this that much, but I'm also not looking at it as a way to totally fix the sport. I think the four team setup is really not very good for the sport. I think the BCS is probably better than the four team personally. Um, but I do think expanding would, would be better than staying at four. Is the know. sport broken? We'll get into that and more next. eBay motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, 
feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. So I, as part of this conversation, uh, you know, know, knowing some of these uh, these beeps need to be dropped. But uh, Tom, yeah, I think you need to send Coca some flowers for uh, <laughs> going in there and, and making sure that YouTube doesn't come across too explicit. All right. So Tom, do you think that college football is like, do you think that college football is broken? Like from a place where it needs to be fixed? Uh, no, I don't think it was. I, I felt like the sport was fine again. It's here's a weird. Okay. Uh, going back to the point I was making about, we're not really fixing the sport. We're fixing things for ourselves. If we go to the world of soccer where I don't know, Danny, but, but there's this thing called VAR and it's replay review. Like we have for our sports here, but we have seen with VAR in soccer, like it is pissed fans off because like it, when it comes to the offside rule, like they've got, it's ridiculous. Like they're measuring guys who are offside by the rule by two millimeters to go into reviews and they're ruling out goals. So the solution that they've come up with for this, the quote unquote solution is not to get rid of the VAR or change the VAR. It's to change the rule. So they are now suiting the rule, the rules of the game to the technology that they brought in to judge the game. And I feel like this is kind of what we're doing with college football. We're not fixing anything. We're imagining problems that don't really exist. And we're trying to find solutions to them saying, well, we need to generate fan interest. Last I checked, the television contracts that networks are signing, that networks are signing with conferences aren't getting smaller. I don't think the fan interest is going away. Fan interest in sports overall went away the last year, but that's because of the pandemic and the fact that the stadiums were empty and it led to some apathy and it changed the way people view sports. Because now that we've seen fans come back, like, remember, did you, any of you guys watch the NBA playoffs last year when it was in the bubble? Mm-hmm. Compare that experience to what you're experiencing now with fans back in the arena. How much better is it? What, what? How much more interested are you in watching it? Because the drama, the theater, all of that is back. And college football, once we get fans back in the stands this fall, a bunch of packed full houses will be fine. The television ratings will recover. The playoff ratings every single year when we stick it for will get bigger or larger depending on the teams playing in it. I'm telling you, having Iowa State in the playoff will not increase ratings. It will just give the network broadcasting it more inventory to sell more advertising. It won't fix anything. It won't solve anything. We're fixing problems that don't exist, but we're selling them as problems to give us excuses to do it. Anecdotally, the be down this year. 
The ratings are going to be down. Yeah, it's on New Year's Eve again. Do you see that? The first round. Oh, so the Rose Bowl. Just, it's, it's that's that just no, but here's, stupidity. No, I know, I know, I know. That's that's, but and that's a total. It's not a problem I'm talking about. It's the Big Ten's um, fault. Yeah, it's the well, Rose Bowl's fault. But yeah, but see, is, here's where I disagree with you. I do think we have problems. Uh, we have players that don't want to play in the postseason that are opting out. Like that to me is a problem. And this would potentially fix that for some of the teams who, by the way, guess what? Because they're good, maybe not just good enough in the top four, right outside, they have NFL guys on their team. And so they're skipping the bowl games. We already went over how that would have been fixed with the 12. You say, you say players sitting out bowl games is a problem. Why? It is. Why? Because I want to, when I watch games, I want to see the best players that played for a season. So when you're watching the New Mexico Bowl, Mm hmm. The biggest concern in your mind is that the starting left tackle is not playing because he's got an NFL future, so he set out the New Mexico Bowl. That's I'm only watching the New Mexico Bowl if I'm stuck at my in-laws over, over Christmas. <laughs> but this Thank is my you. point. If I'm watching the Sugar Bowl, it's because I want to watch you. really good football. We're, ex- we're expanding, quote-unquote, expanding the playoff to put more meaningful games so that way players who are sitting out the meaningless bowl games that we're trying to complain don't sit out the meaningless games that don't matter. How is that a problem? No, but that is a problem. See, that to me is How? a problem. What does it affect? It what does it the, do? The product on the field. Like when you watch games, I don't want to see it hurt the either. Freaking, I mean, okay. Well, like when, when the Orange Bowl, when Miami, when Derrick King gets hurt, I'm like, oh, that sucks for this game. Like I want to see teams compete at full strength. I think that is one of the problems. I think the other problem that is very true. Now you could say, hey, Pac-12, you got to get better. But the very fact that we have five power five conferences and when they have four teams that get it to me is a problem that was started by whatever evil genius thought it was a good idea because it drives debate but you are sending a power five conference champion packing to somewhere else i think they should be given access to the playoffs so i think that is a problem so there's two problems that i think you address with this expansion like i think there's a lot of problems that are addressed in here the regular season late game like we see a lot of games in november that you want to talk about meaningless games that are between pretty good brands that don't matter. All of a sudden, like I'd say now you've got maybe 16 fam. This is on a very broad, generous level, 16 fan bases that are watching in November that feel really invested in making the postseason. If we expand to 12, that goes up like by to 40, especially if we have automatic bids with getting in the conferences, but that number, so that helps keep the fans interested in the product longer in the season, which I think matters. I think so, it goes from like probably 10 to 25. But I will point out that the evil genius that decided to set the number at four, the number was at four because of the power that the Bulls held at the time. Like if you read Dan Wetzel's book, there was so much cronyism going on with the Bulls. You had to protect the Fiesta Bowl and the Sugar, and the Rose still kind of flexes its muscle and messes up the entire TV schedule. I'll, I'll tell you guys, if they did not have to worry about the Bulls, there's no way they would have gone just four. We would have already been at eight or 12. Four was a really not a good idea. It was basically the, 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 like the best horse trading they could do to get a yes out of the power players so that they could keep the money flowing to the Bulls. But now that the bowls have been rendered a little bit irrelevant because of players opting out, that no longer stands in the way. And I think we're going to get the solution that we probably should have had in the first place if we didn't have to deal with all the cronyism of the bowls. So players opting out is what fixed college football. Huh? God, it was a problem. But no, Danny, going back to your point, though, about like the fans and keeping their interest. There are typically two types of college football fans. There are the fans that care about their school and their team 
And that's the team that they watch and root for. And they care about their rivals and they pay attention to that. But mostly they're focused on their team. And then there are fans that are more like us that are, we just love the sport. We watch everybody. We, we can't get enough of it. Expanding the playoff, I don't think impacts fans that greatly because if you only care about your team you were following them even if they didn't have a chance to play off you have been for years now that having a chance for playoff it's like oh hey there's a new shiny toy that maybe can distract me for a little bit but i don't think it really as for us four teams were watching two teams were watching before they even had the bcs we were watching when they go to eight we'll watch 12 we'll watch 24 we'll watch when they're at 64 and the regular season is six games long we'll still be watching so i don't really buy that it's going to really create more interest it's going to create more interest in a specific kind of content which we produce which we produce <laughs> but again me i'm not only concerned about myself but well, no, it's just that's, that's, then, then you're not walking in with the right set of uh, set of values. No, I, I one million percent am. It's just I, I I have a different approach to these things where it's like instead of just looking at what it fixes, I try to figure out what the long term side effects will be that nobody's looking at, and that's what I'm seeing. Unintended consequences is the word that they throw out to scare us from. By speaking of name, image, and likeness, like you don't know what the unintended consequences are. You're like I. You're right. I don't. I don't care. So let's try to figure them out. No, I let's just do it. To do. Nope. Let's Leroy Jenkins this and let's just power through, knock everything over, and let's just sort of see what happens all along the way. Another unintended consequence that I wanted to bring up. I know we're running real long here. This is going to separate the American Athletic Conference from the rest of Group of Five. In a good way for the American? For the American. Because the American, right now, if the way things stand, if we look at the teams that have typically been at the top for that group of five spot, they've been American athletic conference teams. They have that kind of panache. They also have like the cold big East. And you want to go back to the bowl cronyism, Mike Oresco, who was a part of the BCS when he ran the big East and is now running the American. He's got that kind of influence in that room. He's got friends. The American is going to be getting their champion is going to be getting selected more often than the mountain West conference, USA Sunbelt, all that, which means that the American is going to be getting that playoff money, which means that the American is going to be pulling away from the rest of the group of five. So we're not going to have a group of five anymore. We are going to have a power six and four other conferences that will be struggling to survive. That. <laughs> Never mind. That was that heavy panting you hear is uh, coming from the uh, the Northeast in the conference office. Oh no, they moved to Dallas, right? Didn't AAC? I know they used to be up in like yeah. uh, okay, up in Hartford or whatever. Um, all right, real quick, one last question before we get out of here because we we have been running long. We've talked a lot about twelve. We talked a lot about four. You mentioned horse trading, and we mentioned that there may be a compromise if this thing lands at a ten. Do any of your opinions change? If it lands at an eight, do any of your opinions change? What's the, like, what is the sliding scale um, between uh, four and 12 where you start to have um, any of your stances shift a little bit? I, I, my, my noting that the SEC probably wouldn't vote for the other options as Thamel and, and Dodd said in their articles, I think is not to be taken as an endorsement of 12 as the best possible number. I just think it's given the reports about the voting, it's probably the most likely number that would actually represent an improvement. I wouldn't mind six, eight or 10 at all. I'd probably prefer. Them. I will. The, I'm not going to hate any size playoff. I'm going to watch 
any size playoff. Because as I said, I'm one of those fans. I'm going to watch it no matter what they do. So whatever they come back with, I'll live with. I'm still going to think it's solving problems that don't exist and just creating more problems. What would make me happy is if whatever number they get to, there's a set guideline for getting in and every conference shares the money no matter which teams get in or how many from every conference the money is actually distributed evenly because if you're going to if you're going to have a professional sports approach start treating everybody the same like a professional sports league does so the conference usa even if it doesn't get anyone in it's getting the same share as the sec but that's Hmm. never going to happen no, or you separate the power five and group of five, which isn't going to happen either. I don't think it doesn't sound like it. I'll say the exact same thing. I, and this is probably where my stance will evolve to when we went from two to four, I said, it's better when we go to four from wherever I'll say it's better, but we're probably also going to complain about some aspect of it. Like I don't, and I just don't college football has historically been a flawed sport. I don't think all of a sudden it becomes perfect Maybe that's some of the things that makes it unique and generates a lot of discussion around the sport, but I hope they do come up with like solutions where you can point to and you say, Oh, that makes sense. Like, cause going with four spots for five power five teams didn't make much sense to me. Like, so I hope there's things that we can look at and say, yeah, this looks like they saw it with some foresight. They were trying to address certain solutions. Um, you know, I'd love it if there was a way you could do it without a committee. I'm okay with a committee, but like what, give us a structured guideline where it's very cut and dry, not very ambiguous. So you can talk your way into whatever teams you want to go with for the wild card slots. So let's go we'll BCS computers. We do 12 <laughs> team playoff, but at large rankings are determined by the computers. Let's go. And then and, and the computers are only done by uh, an average of Tom and Bud's uh, power ratings. And we use those, and that's how we definitively get the best teams in the college football playoff. Uh, yeah, that's actually a good I hate point, that. Chip. Because <laughs> then you can't make money? No, I, I hate that because the best teams are not always the teams with the best winner-loss rating or mm. w- winner-loss record, but I do think the games need to mean something on, on the field, right? Uh, like I, I routinely have teams that are eight and four, nine and three ranked over the 11 and one teams. If you did that and you tr- did a straight, po- straight line power rating on this thing, people would lose their minds. And then the games, really would, the games, yeah, the games really would be meaningless. Yeah. I will say this chip. I'm going to add an amendment. What would make me happy is like what you just said. Okay. No matter how many schools we go to, let me pick the teams. Yeah. Let Tom pick the teams, and then <laughs> Tom will be happy. I will, pick the, I will pick the most deserving teams, I guarantee. <laughs> Fascinating. Fascinating conversation, and it will continue to go. Again, for those of you who want to check your calendar and figure out uh, what kind of timeline we're working with here, uh, item number one, we've got at least two years with no changes. Uh, the conversations are happening in person June 17th and 18th in Chicago. Tom, if you want to go just knock on some doors and – offer your expertise uh, to this management group, then uh, I'm sure dragged out of there by security. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, by the time we get back for media days in July, I don't even know if we'll necessarily have the details that we could uh, at some point start to get reporting that will indicate how many teams might be involved, but how the bowl system is or is not included in the future playoff and you know what is going to be used in terms of the method of picking the teams. I don't think we'll have that for quite some time, but it does seem like playoff expansion is inevitable 
And we will be likely going to either 6, 8, 10, 12, maybe even 16 teams. But, uh, again, 12 seems to be one of the ones that's leading the way. Uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. We'll keep the discussion going. You can follow him on Twitter at Danny Cannell. You can follow him at Bud Elliott 3. You can follow him at Tom Fernelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. If you're not the SEC commissioner and you go to 12 teams without equal revenue, you're a moron and you deserve to be fired. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.